Hello, welcome ventures to a bonus episode of The Travelogue, a podcast in which I, Stephen Hoffer, my pronouns are he, him, and Lily Lavin, she, her, will be diving into the history of Faerun from the Dungeons and Dragons tabletop role-playing game. We're talking today about the cataclysms of Faerun from the beginning until now. So, Lily, I'm going to start with a little bit of play settings for the entire Forgotten Realms. We're pretty much Toriel at this point. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Like our world Earth, Toriel slash Abir was a supercontinent, and life started there with large animals, primitive ape-like humans, and a sentient scale race called the Serac, who are the creator race of all reptilian humanoids to come who created the first empire. But Thraci, the amphibian creator race, also lived here as did the Fae. The Fae retreated to the Feywild, and the Shuruk slumbered beneath the land for the soon-to-come disaster. The land was shattered by a great comet, the power which was so great that it rendered Abir and Toriel from each other into different planes. The Barachi, not knowing what was to come, almost completely died out in this catastrophe. The dragon eggs appeared by the thousands in this new land and was quickly overtaken by an avian race as well as dragons. The newly appeared giants stood strong against the dragons. With the return of the fae and the elves with them, they were able to ally against draconic dominance. The elves created a magic spell that caused a great rage in the dragons and caused them to start killing each other in a violent madness, starting the first dragon rage. That was, of course, very bridged, but that's like the start of Toriel. It's a decent little overview. Um, As an aside, yeah. where did you get the blurb about the creator races? The creator races are from the grand history of the realms. Because there's five of them. Yeah, I haven't grabbed all the creator races, but yeah. Something that I found very confusing and I didn't bring up is that dwarves appeared at some point in the beginning in Toriel Abir at this time, but it doesn't say from where or why. It literally just says they came out from the ground one day, Um, so dwarves were there too. Mm, that's kind of weird, yeah. Yeah, they do that a lot with D&D. They're like, out of the ground came dwarves. And then, yeah, the the Fae left uh, Toriel and Abir and then came back with the elves after the cataclysm and let them start populating the rest of this new singular Toriel. Yeah, there's also, yeah, the lore is weird about the creator races. It's even weird in world yeah like not even just from a meta point of view like an in-world point of view because it doesn't include giants no who were there they were just there they were there so why doesn't it include giants yeah i know creator races giants <laughs> there's so many type of giant kin also um it emits it leaves out halflings gnomes and dwarves yeah which i feel like where did elves they come elves from? dwarves goblins and orcs are of course not counted as creator races and do not even appear in records or cave paintings of the time. Yeah, but dwarves were there. It says, because they, as well as some other human ethnic groups, came later from different worlds. Okay, sure. Is just what this blurb <laughs> says, but like, ah. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to get into that because this isn't about creation. This is about cataclysms, but yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. The first cataclysm was the comet hitting and which sundered Toriel and Abir apart, which will come up later. And then the first sundering in negative 17,600 DR, so 20,000 years before 5e. Long ass time ago. Yeah. <laughs> Hundreds of high mages assembled in the land of Faerun at the gathering place. 
Ignoring the lessons learned from the destruction of Tingur centuries earlier in the Feywild, they cast a spell of elven high magic designed to create a glorious elf homeland. On the day of birthing, the magic reached its apex as the spell extended both back and forward in the mists of time. Faerun, the One Land, is sundered apart by the force of the sundering. As a result, hundreds of cities were washed away, thousands of elves lie dead, and the face of Toriel is changed forever. The name Faerun, no longer the One Land, is given to the larger continent, surrounded by vast expanses of water. The Isle of Evermeet, thought to be a piece of Arvandor and a bridge between worlds, breaks the surface of the trackless sea. This singular excursion on the Weave caused the Weave to weaken across Faerun, Wild magic erupted in the world for the first time, dead magic zones appeared at random, and areas particularly strong with magic as well. This change in the balance uh, altered the future of Faerun forever, all from elf hubris. Wizards. Wizards and elves are like, hey, we want a cool like island from the Feywild in, Fe- in uh, Toriel, so uh, yeah, let's just kill a bunch of people, shatter Faerun, and cause crazy disasters. This, this, you get a group of mages together, and nothing good ever comes of it. Nope. They're like, hey guys, this is a great... And this is like, it's an island. Like, there's other islands that are created from their crazy thing, but it is a special, you know, it's their special live forever good vacation island. I mean, they created not just island, they created Faerun. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They created they ripped, a, they ripped apart. They ripped apart the supercontinent and created all the little continents. <laughs> but that was like that was the aftermath of it. Anyways, yeah, that's so funny. Uh, Netheril, freaking freaking wizards and elves, freaking wizards. Oh, it's gonna get worse with wizards. Oh, oh yes, it is. Netheril in North Faerun was one of the great human civilizations, as the people were taught magic by the elves. The people of this kingdom excelled at magic at almost an alarming pace were taught a select few spells by the Elvish Highmasters. However, in negative 3,000, so uh, 4,400 years before 5e, the people of Netheril found ancient scrolls containing much more powerful magic and built on this knowledge quickly. The empire enslaved gnomes, but the gnomes were able to steal the scrolls from the empire and brought the gnomish people from the empire's shackles soon after. Uh, the Netheril continued its use of magic, eventually making all of its cities float in idyllic islands in the sky, explored other realms, which gained the first uh, lithid notice to Faerun, and a city was transported by a mad mage to the Plain of Shadows. This blatant overuse of magic caused two things to occur. The weave weakened once again uh, after repairing from the first sundering, and wild magic erupted over the surface of Faerun, and a dark creature race was born underground from the mistreated magical effects. The creatures only lived to eat life and magic and warred against Netheril. This war heavily weakened the weave so that the mage by the name of Kares tried to become god, and the weave shattered, and all magic failed on Toriel causing the great cities to fall from the sky and the original god magic, Mistral, to give her life to restore it. And Mistral was born in her stead. So three cities were able were able to survive. Uh, Mistral arose fast enough to catch three cities and what was left of that city is now Holrua. Holrua? Yeah. Holrua, yeah. Where is Holrua again? Isn't it like way north? No, it's way south. Uh, no, it's, way it's south. It's near yeah, yeah. Um, Chult. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like yeah. south 
east of Kalimshan across the water. Yeah. So <laughs> the Netheril, they're insane. If you ever read up on them, there's whole books about them. Oh, it keeps going. You're, yeah. you, this didn't even explain the Netheril, the Anorak Desert. No, no, it did not. But uh, yeah, the, the Anorak Desert is where the original empire was. That's the, yeah, that's the country of Netheril. They, uh, they did it again. They didn't learn a lesson they, here. And in the future, <laughs> they do it again and they create this desert. Netheril, I'm like 90% sure is also the reason that 10th level spells don't exist. Yeah. I think that's what caused either the thing you just said or the desert. And Mistra was like, yeah, okay, no more 10th level spells. This is getting out of hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the new newly created Mistra banned one 10th level wizardry and also chronomancy um, because they were fucking with the time stream too. This 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 is what I'm saying here. This is I always I I, I always harp this, but it's just it's just wizards left un watched will ruin an entire nation kill a god and create the world's largest desert yep <laughs> because they don't know how to stop using yep. magic uh the realms were able to hold off the, i've got to say too with like <laughs> wizards but also like elves elves cause a first sundering and i know it was twenty thousand years ago but like goblins yeah. are vilified for like attacking caravans sometimes well elves <laughs> destroy millions of people like why do they get off yeah, there yeah <laughs> straight up exactly right? because they're pretty also um anyone listening more of nethril ends up falling into the shadow fell um, but that major city there that falls into the shadow fell um it will come up again don't worry in this in this yes it comes up again. okay cool 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 because <laughs> it creates a it creates a whole new race called shades which yep. are just so cool, so cool. <laughs> Um, the realms were able to hold off most cataclysms for years. There was the Dawn Cataclysm, in which Lathander tried to remake the gods after the death of Mistril, but it has been wiped from history. The only proof of the result is that several gods and powerful outsider deities died during it, others changed, and some empires based on the now-dead gods fell. Frickin' Lathander. Yeah, Lathander tried to do something with the Dawn Cataclysm, but it's heavily implied that he erased all, <laughs> like, like, yeah. like, everything that was said about it like he put in his own powers to be like hey guys forget about this bad idea let's not yeah, talk he was about like, it he was like oops can we all make a pact to not talk about this thing i tried to do it did not go well it did not go well guys please <laughs> i love that so the next recorded big cataclysm was the time of troubles in 1356 dr 130 years before 5e so there's elves and gnomes and long-lived races that could still be alive for this the time of troubles god's war or the avatar crisis seeking power over other deities bane and miracle stole from lord ao the tablets of fate divine records that state the responsibilities of all the deities of faerun this act convinced ao that the gods were unconcerned with their worshippers and more concerned with their battles against each other to punish them and force them to attend to their followers ao forced the deities out of their extraplanar realms and into the mortal bodies called avatars. Sudden uh, mortality wreaked havoc on the deities. Helm alone retained his divine power and was commanded by Eo to guard the path of the outer planes. Because Helm was successful, much of the destruction caused by the avatar crisis is laid at his feet. Mistra was destroyed and her essence merged with the land, causing magic to function erratically and creating many wild magic and dead magic areas. So this was a precursor to the spell plague when Mistra 
the first Mistra died from Helm, not from Cyric. Yeah, Dra. It gets confusing, but. <laughs> yeah, eventually, oh, scrolling down, we get into this. I, I forget. Either Midnight, Midnight becomes the new Mistra or was secretly Mistra or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it was. I just know she was buddy was buddies with Kelimbor and Cyric, I think. And Cyric, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was she was more than buddies with Kelimbor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a whole book about the three of them. Yeah, as adventure party. Um, my partner just finished reading it, and it's just the three of them wandering around, and like Cyric's not that bad of a guy in it. Yeah, just yeah. kind of some chill dude. Well, he's a little bitch, but like he's not, you know, <laughs> evil mastermind, chaotic. But okay, let's keep going. Yeah, the the also the Avatar Crisis though is super cool. So the yeah, very cool. This this we're gonna talk about the the, the different things okay, that cool, happened cool, in cool. the Avatar Crisis just now. Gond the Wonderbringer fell to Earth as a gnome on the shores of Lantan in gratitude for the sanctuary. He taught the Lantanese people the secrets of smoke powder. Timora appeared at her temple in Ar- Arabel, and it is thought that her presence there spared the city much destruction. Ibrandul, god of caverns, was slain by Shar in secret and his portfolio stolen. The Red Knight appeared into Thier and helped maintain the nation and defeat monster raids. <laughs> Joaquin vanished, and her ally Lyra claimed custody of her portfolio for safekeeping. This is when you told uh, Joaquin got... Uh, uh, I think imprisoned by a devil. Um, she gets. Is it during this time? I think it's during this time. Yeah. Because I. Well, the thing is, is she still had her god powers when this happened. I True. think. Um, but yeah, this might be it. She gets imprisoned by Gratz, the demon uh, prince, because she needs passage over a river, and he says he'd give it to her, and then she does it, and he's like, "Ha ha, tricked ya!" Which, like, obviously everyone saw coming with a ten mile pole. The yeah. thing is, is then Gratz though poisoned her church and now a lot of joaquin churches still follow fake Gratz. tenants from Gratz. but that's it i think people didn't know that lyra took her portfolio um while Gratz pretended to take it or pretend to be her yeah but there's a bunch of joaquin churches that have like funky right. <laughs> ideas of what they're supposed to do because Gratz was like nah. the avatar of the godling lachu zim half demon offspring of vain was imprisoned under zentel keep uh the zentarm headquarters Gilgim, the god king of Unther, was slain by his rival Tiamat, ending his two millennia rule of that nation. Baal, the god of murder, was greatly weakened during the gods' war and existed only as a murderous force that could possess living beings. Baal and Mirkil kidnapped Midnight, who later became Mistra, and stole the tablets of fate that she had in her possession. And at Borskir Bridge, the mortal Cyric killed Baal with the sword God's Bane. Cyric absorbed some of Baal's power, while the rest of the power went into the Winding River, poisoning the river. Cyric then slew Lyra, goddess of deception and illusion, with God's Bane and absorbed her portfolio, and he later broke God's Bane, greatly weakening Mask. Torm destroyed Bane during a battle in Tantris, and later Eo gave the Black Lord's portfolio to Cyric. Torn himself was slain in conflict with Bane, but since his realm at the time was actually Toril, and because he died in service to his ethos, obedience and duty, Lord Eo restored him to life and reinstalled him as a deity. Sounds like a bit of favoritism, but... <laughs> Avatars, uh, Mercurial's avatar battled Midnight, who destroyed him. Midnight became the new incarnation of Mistra, absorbing the essence of the previous goddess from the land. Cyric became the new uh, deity of strife, tyranny, murder, and death, holding the portfolios of the slain Bane, Maul, and Mercule. 
Years later, Siric lost a portfolio death to the mortal Kelimvor. He also loses tyranny. Oh, yeah. And and murder? Yeah, he also loses murder. Currently, he's just the god of lies, deceit, and strife. I think that's taken from him uh, after the spell plague because people get tyranny. mad at him. <laughs> yeah, tyranny ends up going to mm-hmm. Bane, and Baal becomes... I mean, Bane, Baal, Bane and Baal aren't actually greater deities anymore. Yeah. They're... Um, lesser deities but they take tyranny and i think murder yeah um and kelimbor takes whatever but yes you're such a fuck also my favorite part about this is al was like you care too much about your own strifes between each other go to earth and learn what it's like to be there go to toril and learn what it's like for the people you're supposed to be helping and instead of doing that they just fucking fight each other <laughs> yeah, exactly it's like you guys they, fight too just... much stop fighting and they fight more <laughs> And then they just kill each other in human form. It's like, wow, what great did this do? Also, yeah. everyone listening, um, they all like look like people in their divine realms and everything, although they're huge. Al, we've mentioned it before on this show, but just to reinstate how ridiculous this is, Al is the stereotype dungeon master, but with no body. He's just a face with a beard, a long, a long scraggly white beard, and then hands. That's all he is. He's just a beard face and hands. He's like Ed Green- Greenwood. <laughs> yeah, but with no body or full head. Like, he's just the face, the beard, and the hands. It's so funny. So with the efforts of Midnight, Kalimvor, and Siric, the Tablets of Fate returned to Ao. But Ao was angered and destroyed the Tablets of Fate, causing the era of upheaval. Uh, so this began the slipping of Toriel and Abir into one another. These three adventurers were like, okay, we got the Tablets of Fate back. We really helped you out, Ao. And Ao was like, hey, thanks for this. No. This is great. <laughs> no. <laughs> you guys, you know what? You're fighting over these. No one gets them. He's like a really bad dad. <laughs> yeah, he's so funny. So petty. All of it's just so petty. It's so funny. It's so petty. It's good. It's good. God, but man, this all happened in such a short period of time. So in 1385 DR, a hundred years before 5E, with only 30 years to his name as a god, Siric joined forces with Shar to kill the new Midnight Mistra, causing the spell plague. An unthinkable catastrophe ensued when Siric, aided and abetted by Shar, murdered Mistra in Dwemerheart. The plane itself disintegrated at once, destroying Savras and sending the gods Azuth and Valsharum reeling into the endless astral sea. Without Mistra to govern the weave, magic bursts from its bonds all across Toril and surrounding plains and run wild. In Faerun, this event is known as the Spell Plague, Thousands of mages are driven insane or destroyed, and the very uh, substance of the world becomes mutable beneath the veils of azure fire that dance across the skies by night or day. Many planes are shifted or destroyed as well. Only greater deities prove strong enough to maintain their realms against the constant chaos. Tyr, Lathander, and Soon move against Siric and successfully imprison Black Sun in his supreme throne under the <laughs> sentence of house arrest to last 1,000 years. You ruined everything? House arrest. I know you killed a bunch of gods, but house arrest. House arrest. I love it. <laughs> it it's, so it's strange that the spell plague never happened, even though Mistra has died twice before but i think it's because the tablets were destroyed that there was less of a kind of grasp on everything and uh this it was like uh, more of a i mean so there's also like a tumble of effect yeah there's a there's a few they don't explain it but like one mistra is never as good as mistara mm-hmm. and originally mistara is the one that dies um and then yeah because when they're in avatar form it's not like the weave goes crazy and mistra is not able to tend to it when they're all in avatar form but also 
At what point does she start doing this? Mistra makes a ridiculous amount of Chosen. Right, yeah. Um, like, Mistra has, like, 20 Chosens of Mistra running mm-hmm. around, um, which means she's divided her power amongst 20 right. people. This might have um, been so in I think, her 30 years. I think this might have something to do with it, because they existed yeah. during the Spell Plague. So I think part of the right. thing is the fact that she spread her avatars so thin, yeah, or her power is so thin that way. That makes sense. Also, as a little side fact for people mistra spreading her powers that thin is i forget if it's because when they become a god right like Siric may have been a chill dude when he was a human but when you when you become a god and take that domain your being changes right right um like you are forced into a new alignment and everything but um so i'm not sure if this is like literal magic that makes her do this or if ao was just like manipulating her but her spreading her powers that thin through chosen is um intentional by al mm. because she is by far the strongest god. right 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 um so she having so many chosen is a way to like nerf her right which i've always thought was very interesting i think if you tried to do a campaign about gods that would be an interesting um plot point to have in there yeah i think too um some people like it, there's no determined reason why the spell plague came about this time instead of the others it is because mr died but like why um some other people think that it's because Siric took over the weave and Siric is insane, is a mad god. Oh yeah, I mean, are we... And so maybe that is why, too, the spell plague came came about. Are we not going to... I didn't mention that because uh, are we not going to get into that? We're going to kind of get into it, but... Yeah, Siric tries to replace Mistra. That was his point of killing her. He wanted to become yeah. the most powerful god. Yeah. Um, and he can't do it, and so that's possibly it. Also, Shar creates the dark weave. The dark are we going to talk yeah. about that? Yeah, it comes up a lot. <laughs> okay, cool. Because that I think those two things in combination here also very much so mm-hmm. probably apply. Like, Siric doesn't know how to fucking end the weave. No. What does what does Siric know about controlling all magic in, his, in existence? Um, so the spell plague, in conjunction with the breaking of the tablets of fate, weaken the planar burials and have the following effects: where once the realm of Sespec, the Golden Plains, and the Naga lands, the spell plague reveal a surreal landscape, breathtaking in its beauty, grandeur, and changeability. For the next century, active spell plague converts converts with this territory called plague rot lands contorting terrain natural law and the flesh of many creature that dare enter it Cormier struck hard but not so violently as many other nations roughly one-third of all wizards of war are slain driven mad or simply gone missing in the year following mistress death a strange angular black monolith is sometimes visible above the breaks of the wigs of Cormier coasts but never in the same twice wow a portion of toriel's sibling world abir violently exchanges place with a large section of chandath and western chachenta displacing janassi from the iberian land of shir quickly set about creating a kingdom of their own the former expanse of the sea of fallen stars is altered when a wide portion of the landscape collapses into the underdark when the sea levels reach a new equilibrium the average drop in water level measured nearly 50 feet and the waters of the vilan reach were similarly drained uncovering several drowned ruins of the ancient city of Jamath. Yeah, we talked about that during Termis. Yep. Uh, Horulian wizards, having divined the death of Mistra and destruction of the Weave, were able to use the energy of the blue fire to save most of their kingdom by shifting it to another world. Many portals ceased to exist or become corrupted, sending the users to areas unknown. 
Lee Rakond was torn apart in a powerful earthquake and a portion of the nation of Selkakor, where the capital of the dragonborn nation of Taimanchabar was located, was torn asunder and disappeared amid the blue fire. The rest of Larakond was sent to the trackless sea, where it subsumized the lands of Mastika. Mastika was transported to Abir, and Lacrond, which became known as Returned Abir, remained on Toriel. And this is where Dragonborn are from. Yeah. Uh, the region where the city-state of Denjarn Tymar was located crashed on Unther, still enveloping in blue flames. Many believe the Untherites and the Molrandi occupation forces were obliterated in an explosion that leveled and reshaped the whole region except for the Black Ash Plain. Tymanther appeared in the ruined spot. Tymanther is also a dragonborn city, and it just crushed Unther. Right. Lantan and Nimbral disappear from the trackless sea. The living statues of Waterdeep went out of control and started uh, destroying much of the city before the Blackstaff of the time brought them to rest. Neverwinter was ra- laid to ruin when a volcano erupted next to the city. Wait, quick aside. That part is actually so freaking cool. A forge underneath a mountain run by giants had what are they called not gods but like elemental um oh the primordials yeah i think it's a primordial Mm -hmm. um they had a a a gargantuan primordial fire elemental that's essentially just a gargantuan cr25 fire elemental it got freed (laughs) it went to that mountain and erupted it oh wow like it didn't just erupt there was this huge oh so cool so cool comes up later where um the primordials were on abir and they had somehow ended up there when the two were split so yeah, it came back through through this kind of shifting of the world. I don't think this one's a... Pr- I don't think it's a primordial. It's just like a an elemental okay. god, essentially. So a titan. He's a titan, the fire elemental. Oh, right. Magera, yeah. the dawn titan. Um, so the Netheril city that went to the Shalafel returned and started to conquer the world anew in the Arak Desert from their Falian Citadel. Pretty sweet. The halfling realm of Lurian was submerged underwater, becoming the Gulf of Lurian in the Great Sea. Kelam and Memnon's prison was shattered, releasing the genie onto the world and awakening many Janassi heritages from the forgotten bloodlines. Evermeet phased into the Feywilds. Primordials once again walked the lands of Toriel. During the spell plague, the plateau of Thay rose thousands of feet, shattering the land and causing the Thay Mount to erupt. Debris from the melting glaciers on Thay Mount spread more destruction. While these catastrophes raged, Sazam Tam made himself the land's regent. The spell plague ended the civil war of the Red Zircules, leaders of the Red Wizards. And another dragon rage plagued the realm, caused by a strange amber found on returned Abir after its appearance on Toro. So, a lot of stuff happened. <laughs> yeah, also, cue us now being in 4E. This is the reason everyone hated 4E. Yeah. It wasn't mechanics. It was this. Everything that was just said, myself included, think that this is super stupid and no offense to Wizards of the Coast. I mean, like a lot of it is cool, but it's just like, okay, so I've just spent 15 years playing in this world and now all of a sudden you're like, it's different now, 100%. And it's like everywhere I go, there's like, like what if I'm in the middle of a campaign in Thay? Yeah. And they're just like, nope, nope. Nope, it's gone. Or Halrua, where it's just like straight up, it's gone. And it's like, well, what the heck? Come on. And it was because it was because it was just bought by Wizards of the Coast, right? It it was not just bought by Wizards of the Coast. It was because, uh, I looked this up recently, uh, Wizards of the Coast 
sales were starting to plummet. Like 3.5 was well-received, but it didn't do great. It was starting to plummet in the face of World of Warcraft. So they hired writers to write a new setting for them to make people interested again. Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. But either way, yeah, exactly. They did it for some stupid marketing gimmick and it backfired because it's a weird choice. They could have just like introduced Eberron or anything else to revitalize sales rather than being like, screw you, our loyal customers who have been enjoying this setting for a long time. A lot of the lore is really cool. And maybe I shouldn't blanket call it all stupid, but like the general let's take this map everyone has grown accustomed to and spent 15 years trying to learn the lore and the layout of the map so they can run intricate campaigns in this world. And let's just completely change it so that it's going to take another very long time to get reaccustomed to it, I think is just kind of a slap in the face. Yeah, it was way too much, way too fast. And the fact is like in in 3E, they had the Avatar Crisis. They had the Time of Troubles. There was already a huge catastrophe happening. And like for them to be like, okay, so now there's a new Mistra. Now there's a new Siric. Like the, the tablets of fate were broken. They could have done some of the like phasing between Abir and stuff, but to do the spell plague and that is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not even like it's not even like <laughs> it's a hat on a hat. Exactly. And it's mostly the I think it's mostly the the map changes. Yeah. That really bothered people. Especially like well, but also it's like if you love the Red Wizards of Fate they and you think they're really cool, yeah, they're all dead now and like yeah. zombies or like like if you had a favorite realm that was just like it's gone now or Lantan it's like, oh yeah, I love Lantan. I think it's cool. Bye. That's exactly what I'm saying. You're running a campaign in Lantan and they just blink it out of existence. And like they yeah. also didn't consult any of the authors yeah, none of who them. write novel series. And like so it was just like, hey, Salvatore, with 35 best selling books that really help our brand, we're not gonna ask you if you want this change to the lore that you've been helping us write. Which is just like a weird marketing choice and just kind of rude. Um but also also though the thing is is it's not even like like there's a lot of things I like. If it was just the spell plague, blue fire, that's cool. And like the mountain erupting, that's a staple of lore. I love that. Mount Hotanau. Um mm-hmm. But um, it's not even like 5e strays away from these massive crises. If we actually sit down and look, there's a meta story for 5e that's been happening. We just don't use it. Mm. If you play through the campaign books in order, you get the story. And like, so like, it's not like 5e st- strays away from this. It's just that 5e doesn't just go whole world is different overnight. Yeah, no, well, that's it. And like there's, it's D&D. There's always going to be world ending events in published content and in your own home games. But the thing about it is they are isolated incidences that the players then try to solve. Or if it is not solved and it, you, you have this cataclysm event happen, then that is a stray off on your own world. But like that's for you to write or you to come up with. But also like I, I, I do. I do like some of the, the aspects. I think it's really cool that this part of Abir came back and like the dragonborn were brought through. Um, the fight of Unther and Tymanther is really cool. Um, I, there's some, some areas that were just not really utilized. So yeah, why not destroy it? Add a new race, all the Janassi coming out. Like, yeah, add some new flavor to, uh, with the Janassi being there, uh, after it's like, also, just this humans. is where, this is where Janassi get their, um, those glowing lines on their skin exactly. that they so often are drawn with that happened because of the spell plague before the spell plague. They didn't have that. Exactly. So it's like, there's some really cool things that happened. Um, I, and like, you know, the portals messing up 
Yeah. You know what? There was a there's too many dang portals in before three and two E. Maybe we need to mess with the portals a bit. So like there are things that I agree with, but it was just too much too fast to the point that like I just read through this list and I probably missed a whole bunch because it's just so hard to get through <laughs> all of it. Also with no with no agency. Yeah. The thing about Storm King's Thunder is that like so there's a set ending in the canon of five E, sure. Right, and you can diverge from that canon if you want. But the thing is, is that you still get <laughs> agency because you play through it. Whereas, like the spell plague, I didn't play any four E modules, but like the spell plague is really cool. I feel like that's just a background thing going on. But it's just like I don't know how are you supposed to play through and affect any of these events? You well, know? and the spell plague was pretty much like reading through four E. I thought four E was the spell plague, but no, four the spell plague happens, and four E is set years after the spell plague when it's starting to calm down and people are getting their magic backs because they need magic the spell plague happens between 3.5 and 4e yeah 4e but i'm saying like when you're playing in 4e the module but like the forgotten realms campaign setting you're playing 30 or so years or a couple years after you you can play whenever you want but it's like it's set up because they want there to be mage classes and classes that have magic. If they did it right after the spell plague, no one would be able to use magic. Yeah, exactly. You know? Some people retain their magic. Psionics were there too, and they were, able, were OP because they're like, hey, it doesn't affect this. Yeah, it awoken it awoken psionic power in a bunch of people, the spell plague. Yeah. Also, some people kept their powers during the spell plague. Like it mentions the black staff here. He kept his powers. Specific, really strong mages did. Yeah, exactly. But it's just, yeah, it's wild. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so with all this chaos, finally in the 1480s, Ao recreated the Tablets of Fate to once again separate the land of Abir and Toriel. Upon hearing of the new creation of the Tablets of Fates, the gods... Now this, as a real yeah. quick aside here, this next bit, um, pretty much everyone who plays D&D, your characters should have lived through oh, yeah. this. 1480 is... Nine years ago? It's Yeah, some... I think the Cult of the Dragon... Uh, uh, the Cult... The dragon, oh, not the dragon, the cult of the dragon one. I think that happens before. So Storm King's Thunder references that one. Yeah. And Storm King's Thunder takes place in 1485. Yeah, so it's even, it might be like right after. Which means Tyranny of Dragons takes place, I think, possibly during this. Yeah, exactly. So it's like if you're playing. The trail end of this. If you're playing in 5e, it's like a 10-year-old will know about this. Yeah. Um, With all this chaos, finally in the 1480s, Ao recreated the Tablets of Fate to once again separate the land of Abir and Toril. Upon hearing of the new creation of the Tablets of Fate, the gods knew that Ao would be rewriting the divisions of godly powers and portfolios. This caused many gods to send out Chosen to affect the land of Faerun so that they would gain followers and be seen as worthy to exist in this new Toriel. The wizards of Thay tried capturing many of these Chosens to steal their powers, and few succeeded. Yeah, they actually successfully... There's one god who sent their Chosen down. We mentioned this in an episode before. Yeah. <laughs> and was like, yeah, I'm part of this. And they were just instantly captured and killed by Thay. Yeah. Because <laughs> they were like, hey, a bunch of gods are sending out really powerful spellcasters. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Also, this was like the Chosen of like a demigod, too. So it's not like yeah. they were particularly powerful. Most of the world went to war as newly appointed Chosens led uprisings to the New Order. Kalmshan fell into open rebellion against the genie lords under the Chosen of Ilmater. The Mulrand allowed the old Mulrandi Pathion to manifest again and Toriel, uh, on Toriel and came to the aid of their people 
who had become second-class citizens in high Emeskir and believed that they were once more been enslaved by their ancient masters, the Emeskiri. With the aid of the, wizards, uh, of the wizard Nezram, the Mulrandi started a rebellion. So, quick aside, the Mulrandi, we'll go into them eventually, but they are basically Egyptians that were brought on to, yeah. like, actual Egyptians and their gods are, like, set raw and all that, so. They also, I always forget if this is Mulhorand or Halrua. I'm, like, 80% sure it's Mulhorand. Being a slave is actually, like, nice there. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, only churches or something are allowed to buy and sell them. And like the slaves are treated like if you're going to be a slave, being a slave there is like top tier. But what, which is a weird (laughs) thing to say, but like they, they, they treat their slaves as like an actual cast of citizenry, not, but what happened in way back when, which I didn't cover, but in the histories of the realm, the, the high Emeskiri, the Emeskiri back during the Netheral times when magic was crazy, artificers made a portal to earth stole people from Egypt, enslaved them, and then the Morandi people, <laughs> uh, Morandi Pathion came to save their people and then were shunted out and right. then came back during uh, the, re- the re-creation. Yeah. Wild. Uh, the Netheral armies warred against Cormier and the Dalelands, having taken Sambia already. Drow and Orc forces moved on the Silver Marches and took many of the settlements there. The Netheril, spread too thin, began falling to the enslaved folks at the heart of their lands in the Aranoch, while its armies marched on Mithdrenor, and a fight between the elves, chosen of Mishra, and Elminister broke the evil mage's armies. The most powerful elven mage sacrificed herself to strengthen the weave and return Mishra to her former power. This was also the Netheril were working with um, Shar to create the Shadow Weave um. and to make this... Um, connection between the Shadowfell and Toro. Yeah, there are also um, these things called shades at this point, I think, because the city came back yeah. from the Shadowfell, which you can look into them. They're really cool. They're humanoids from the Shadowfell, from them spending too much time around shadow stuff. And they're actually a really cool race that I wish they would make a playable race. It's like just like shadow humans. They, mm. They're cool, though. That sounds a bit silly, but they're cool. Also, the Mithdranor, yeah, this is what gave Elminster that name, um, the hero of Mithdranor. Um, it itself, if you want to deeper dive into look into that, is a very cool story. Um, also, the Drow and Orc forces in Silver Marshes um, is um, expanded upon in Storm King's Thunder, which takes place immediately after that. Mm, mm. In the same area, Storm King's Thunder, you kind of play through the aftermath of that battle. Right. Yeah, and that's where they did the Dark Name uh, that you talked about earlier. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. With, um, where um, a couple drow, what is his name, Tiago Bonre, rides in on a silver dragon and gets killed by Drist riding in on a copper dragon. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, the Primordials left Toro. Um, we don't go in the Primordials. Look them up. They're kind of cool. Great rains refilled the Sea of Fallen Stars uh, and regained it to its former depths at the behest of the Chosen of Lathander. The Underchasm was filled by Grumbar to stop a plot by Shar to bring the Shadowfell into Toro. So Shara was going to use this underchasm to uh, make like a direct link between the Shadowfell and Toro. And Grumbar, the uh, god of Earth, was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to cover that right that's, up. That's the other thing about the change in the 4E and 5 from 3.5, the map and everything, mm-hmm. is like the great cataclysm, the underchasm was, I'm sorry, so silly. <laughs> I like, I like, don't get me wrong. I like hyper fantasy elements, 
But like part of the thing I've always liked about D&D is it has like this, most of the worlds at least have like this slight kind of grounded feel to it. You know, it's just a regular map. Mm. If you zoom into Neverwinter, yeah. they have a chasm there because of the volcano erupting and stuff. But like the addition of that huge under chasm rip in the world just felt so like, I don't know, baby, baby's first, baby's first map. Is what it, it felt it like. 100%. It, it feels like the writers were paid and they're like, oh, we need to release this. Like, okay, just yeah. blotch out the areas. Like, the, the, we talked about the, the Great uh, Plague Lands. It's like huge, a huge area of the map was just like, eh, it's nothing here. Yeah, it just looks like baby's first map, you know? It's just like, I, I, yeah. I, I this is cool. I don't know. The Shining Plains, which we covered earlier, that was just like, eh, it's blue fire. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Unther returned to Toriel, but it's so when the land of Tethmir went on top of Unther, they thought it was crushed, but it actually went to Abir. And Unther returned to Toriel, and it's now a land controlled by dragonborns of Tymanther. The refugees from Unther and the dragonborn went to war for the area, and Tymanther stayed on Toriel for the most part and won the war. So Unther is now that area is now completely controlled by dragonborn. Where is Unther again? on the map uh you'd have to look this up i think it's about i think it's like east like very east kind of near cormir oh yeah no okay. i found it it's right by mulharand in between mulharand and just oh okay there okay yeah south of Thay. south of Thay. Oh, okay that makes sense so that's where all the dragonborn are, are like well it's either there yeah. or this uh track the sea so um stars fell from the sky and gods that were thought dead returned Halruria, lantan and nimbril all returned to Toriel. A series of unusual natural disasters hit Faerun, including an earthquake in Iberdor, a plague of locusts in Om, and droughts of the southern lands, leading to receding sea levels and increasing conflict. So things were fixed, but there is still, as any good D&D setting should have, there's still issues to be completed. Like you can now, if you're playing a very tied to the spell plague or tied to the upheaval, the second Sundering campaign, you can make a story about fighting for the Uther people. You can make a story about fixing the, the plague lands, like or like return Lantan. Like there's a lot of options that you can make something cool out of this weird blip of the time frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lot there to work with. Um, so with the reinstating of the Tablets of Fate, the world returned to how it was before the Times of Troubles, geographically speaking. Save for the addition of Lacromond and Timanther. The waters receded from Lurian, making the Halfling homeland accessible again, although much of the territory is still underwater. Many gods returned, and almost all of them became quieter to their followers, leading from a far-removed position. Elastri and Varuna remained with physical avatars on Toriel. Those two are um, drow gods. I mean, Elastria is just uh, Elastri. Yeah. Um, she's just the good, like, she might have a portfolio, but, like, she's the only good yeah. drow god. If you look at the pantheon, she's the only good aligned one, so she's just the drow god of anything good mm-hmm. relating to drow. Both have physical avatars on Toriel, and so too did Bane, Ball, and Mercule, but with greatly reduced powers, heralding their own return. Yeah, so Bane and Ball and Mercule, well, not Ball, but Bane and Mercule, they're around, they're walking around. They might be, you could play it up as like a cult causing troubles, like they're a good um, adventure hook for anyone looking for. One. True, true, true. And Morandi gods still rule among their people, directly interacting with them as god kings of old. So. Like if you. Go ahead. Sorry, yeah. 
it's just cool. Like you can play like Ra and all that too as like their gods of Morandi. Yeah, I mean, all the gods from Earth actually can and do exist here. Mm. Uh, what's it called? Tempest, Tempest, and Talos both share an afterlife right. with Odin and Thor. Mm-hmm. Um, they both exist in what is that place called? Valhalla. Like they just have doors that separate them. And right. Tempest and Talos, I'm pretty sure, like hang out with Thor a lot. And Thor has come to Faerun, and there are some worshippers of Thor in the north. Hmm. Um, so, like, they do exist here, sort of, kind of. A lot of their afterlives clash over each other, and they kind of become friends. Same with... Uh, oh, I was just reading about one who actually lives in the Nine Hells, and she's um, a Greek goddess who just lives in the who just lives in the Nine Hells and is friends with Asmodeus. Oh. And um, her pantheon is hmm. Greeks in Earth. <laughs> Like our Earth, um, but she lives in the Nine Hills. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Also, Ball, he might be dead. But if none of your players have played Baldur's Gate Two: Shadow of Om, you could pilfer it for some great side quests and great um, campaign quests. If you want to incorporate one of these returns, it's or one of these um, avatars of these three evil gods. Um, it has a lot of great content and full walkthroughs on the internet. So if none of your players have played this uh, game from like, you know, 20 years ago, it's a good place for inspiration. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. And that for now is the Cataclysms of Toriel until you all make the storyline where, where one happens in your home game or probably until 6 is released. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Lily, for joining me. Oh, yeah, no problem. Thank you for amazing cover art. Yeah. Blood and Dust for the theme music Around the Fire. You can find their uh, Bandcamp links in the description of the episode. Thank you, everyone, for the support. This episode's coming out because we've reached 1,000 followers on Twitter, and hopefully we can release and get 1,000 more and release, I don't know, some other special episode. Yeah, Pantheon episode or something. Yeah, Pantheon. I think that would be really fun. Yeah. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and have a great long rest. Bye.